Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Turn Evangelism Podcast with T.S. Myers. Our prayer is that this message impacts your life. If it does, let us know by going to turnevangelism.com forward slash connect and let us know how God used this message to influence you. If you would like to follow our ministry, we would love for you to go to turnevangelism.com and check us out. Lord God, thank you for your love for us. I pray that as we speak about your love today, that you would speak to us through your word, through the truth of your word, through the power of your gospel, through the spirit that you've given us. I pray that as we hear what you have to say to us, that we continue our worship by listening to your word and then by going out and doing what it says. We love you, God, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The order of love. This matters. If you are a believer in the room right now and you get this wrong, you will not be loving properly. I want to stress how much this matters. So I'm going to open up with an illustration that I got from a preacher named Paul Washer, and I think it's a very powerful illustration. He talked about how one day there was this guy who was late for work, and he'd been late a number of times, okay? And his boss is ready to can him. He's ready to fire this guy. And his boss says, why are you late? And the, and the employee says, you know, I have a good excuse this time. I have a really good excuse, okay? I was on my way to work. I was going to be on time, but you'll never guess what happened. My tire blew out. And there I was on the 95 freeway, jacking up my car to get the tire off and put the new tire on. And what do you know? The new tire slips out of my hand and starts rolling down the road. And so it keeps rolling down the road, rolling down the road. And so I go chasing after the tire. And the boss is thinking, okay, well, maybe this guy has a good excuse this time. Maybe I should let him off the hook. This seems legitimate. Okay, it's not like the other times. And the guy, you know, doesn't know when to shut up. And so he keeps on going. He keeps on rambling. And so the employee goes on and he says, the tire goes down the road, down the road. And finally, I got a hold of the tire. And then, boom, I got hit by a logging truck. Okay. And then the boss looks at the guy, he has a nice blazer on, his hair is slicked back, not a scratch on him, no bruises whatsoever. And the guy says, you didn't get hit by a logging truck. And the employee says, of course I got hit by a logging truck. Who are you to say I didn't get hit by a logging truck? And the boss responds, you can't get hit by something that big and not show it. And a lot of us claim to know God. We claim to have come into contact with the creator of the universe. We claim that through his gospel we've believed and come into a relationship with God. But I have something to say this morning. That you can't come into contact with someone as big and as powerful as God, the God who loves you, and then not show it. When you really know God, it shows. And when it shows, it shows a certain way. Jesus said to his disciples that people are going to know that you are followers of me by what? By your love for one another. 
The impact of God's love on your life shows in how you live on this earth. And if nothing changed, nothing changed. You can't come into contact with someone as big and as powerful as God and His love and not show it. Many people claim to follow Jesus, but they don't show it. When you come into contact with God, it shows. So how do you come into contact with God? Do you do it by trying really hard to come into contact with God? No, that's not how you come into contact with God. In fact, you can't do it. You can look for God wherever you want, but because we're sinners, you won't be able to get to Him. You're imperfect. And the message of the Gospel is that when you couldn't get to God, God comes down and He gets to you. And because Jesus came down 2,000 years ago to demonstrate His love for you on the cross, God has given you an opportunity to know God not through your works, but through His work. So that if you stopped trying in your own strength to get to God and start trusting that God has got to you, you will start to be impacted by God. In fact, what God calls you to is not more work, but surrender. Surrender is not more work. It's you stopping your work and letting God work. And when God impacts your life, it'll show because He will change you. You'll be born again by the Holy Spirit. You won't be able to help yourself but to love one another. But I'm getting ahead of myself in the order of love. You must understand what God has done. Surrender to Him is the way that He comes into your life and impacts you. He says, look to the cross, look to what he's done, and he's going to do something in you. He's going to bring you to life spiritually, where you're spiritually dead and you can't get to God. You acknowledge, God, I see that you've got to me, you've gotten to me through the cross, and I accept what you've done, and he impacts you, and you're born again from above, from the Spirit of God, and the gospel takes root in your heart. And you'll find that after that happens, you're able to do what previously you couldn't do. That when you're a slave to sin, you could only do the sinful things of this world. But now being a slave to righteousness, you see that you don't just do things for God because you have to. You do them because you actually want to. Your attitude goes from, I'm not coming to church out of duty. I'm coming to church out of a want to. I'm not here because I have to be here. I'm here because I get to be here. And this is what the gospel does. It changes our perspective and it changes our hearts so that we're not just going through the motions and we're not just doing rules, following rules, but we are now eagerly trying because God has placed it in our hearts. And this is exactly what God has promised when he promised the new covenant to us. He said, I will take from you your heart of stone and I'm going to place in you a heart of flesh. He promises that when the new covenant comes and it has come through Jesus Christ, that he's going to write his law, his Torah, his teachings, his everything on our hearts. And what is that going to look like? It's going to look like we by nature want to follow Jesus Christ. That's regeneration. That's being born again. It comes through realizing who God is. Today we'll be talking about the order of love. And it's easy to get this order wrong. You might think, if I love God, He'll love me back. If I just love God, He's going to love me. Now, here's the thing. You're misunderstanding something in that statement. You don't love God to get His love. That's the wrong order of love. 
In fact, you'll find that our first point is that he loves you first. You might think in the order of love, if I just love others, then God will love me. Once again, you're getting it wrong. You loving others doesn't make God love you. There's no conditions to the love of God. The order of love matters, and you understanding the order of love as you walk through your life matters too. Before God ever asks us to love others, before he ever asks us to even love him, he asks us to realize, first and foremost, his love for us. If you ever want to truly learn to love properly, the first step in the order of love is this. You must first understand that God loves you. That's it. You don't want to get to the second step before you go to the first step. The first step is what? God loves us. There's no conditions. It's not, I'll love you if you love me. It's not, I'll love you if you love others. It is an unconditional love that God has poured out onto this world. And he loves you. And when you start to see that, it starts to break you. Because we realize, as Romans Chapter 5, verse 8 says that we are sinners, and yet Christ still died for us. When we were enemies of God, separated from Him, when we didn't have hope, we couldn't do it on our own strength, God decided in His strength, because He loved us, to do what we could never do. To come to this earth, to live the life that we could never live, to pay the price that we deserve to pay because the wages of sin is death, and to die a death for us that wasn't for himself because, you know what, Jesus was sinless. He didn't deserve to die. So who was he dying for? Was he dying for himself or his own sin? No, he was dying for the sins of this world, for your sins. And so he makes a payment. The greatest act of love in all of creation was demonstrated by Jesus Christ on a cross. A lot of us think, man, those Romans, they kept Jesus on that cross. Maybe you might think that. Maybe you don't think that. Maybe you think the nails kept him there, but I want to let you know right now, you can be sure that Jesus could have called thousands of angels to bring him off of that cross immediately. And he could have said to you all, you guys are so ungrateful. You guys didn't realize the Messiah when he came. I'm out of here. You guys are going to get judged. He could have done that, but he didn't do that. You know what he did? He stayed on the cross. And so the nails didn't keep him there. The Romans didn't keep him there. The Jewish people that wanted him dead didn't keep him there. His love kept him there because he loved you. He stayed on the cross and he died. It was supposed to be your death. But he does it for you because he loves you. Isn't that amazing? We all know the gospel, but sometimes we need to hear it again. Because we get the order of love wrong even as believers. And we start to Give to God to get from him. God, if I just do this, you're going to love me a little bit more. It's not how it works. You work from an overflow as a believer. You cannot outlove God's love. So the first thing you need to do is focus on God's love for you. This is where the order of love starts. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love him, God, why? Because he first loved us. First comes his love. And then the natural reaction 
is our love for him. This just, just makes sense. This is what keeps us from being legalistic as believers. Henry Blackaby says that obedience without love is legalism. I'm just going through the motions. I'm just doing what I got to do. But the gospel is all about God's love. And when you see someone do something extremely kind for you and loving to you, you do something in return, not because you have to, but because you want to. Think about it with your spouse or your friends. So for my spouse, like Kylie, if I genuinely love her, I'm going to want to sometimes please her and maybe cleaning up the dishes or something like that, right? Because I'm working for, for love. But if I'm like, oh, I'm fearing Kylie. Oh, man, the wrath of my wife. Okay, let's see. Maybe I should clean up those dishes and I'm not working from love. Then there's a different experience happening, isn't there? And so I'm just going through the motions. I want to keep my marriage together. But when you're genuinely working from love, the motivation changes. When you look to God and his love, it will stir your affections for him. It's the nature of the gospel. It's what it's designed to do. It's designed to get into your heart and to tune your heartstrings to be more like him. And so the first thing you need to do, maybe you're feeling spiritually dry in this room, you need to go back to your first love and remember what Jesus did. Well, I've thought about that all my life. It's not going to work this time. Not with that attitude. Go back, actually sit down and meditate on the cross of Jesus Christ. Think about what he's done for you and let his spirit wash over you and say, God, I don't want to worship you right now, but I know what you've done. Change my heart to want to and you'll see what he does in your life. The guarantee of the scripture is that the gospel will change hearts. We love because he first loved us. Get your eyes back on the love of God. Keeps us from legalism. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, that in view of God's mercy, we are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. That this is our spiritual act of worship. Notice what that verse says. This is verse 1. It says, in view of God's mercy. Paul doesn't jump right into saying, you need to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. It's just the right thing to do. This is just the way it is. No, he shows you where the motivation comes from. He shows you that in the previous 11 chapters, all the doctrine that he's been going over, all the gospel conversation that he's been going over to these Romans, he's bringing up again, he says, in view of all of this, in view of what Jesus Christ has done for you, in spite of your sin, in view of all of this, and what his graciousness has provided for you, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And so we see the motivation is there. This is just going to be natural. This is going to be true and reasonable worship. God has done so much for us. How could we not give everything to him? It just makes sense. Have you ever had an act of kindness motivate you? Maybe you've been in a work environment that's been bad, where it's, it's you know, run by negativity and fear, but then you've been in one that's good and the productivity is better and everyone is happy to be there because it's so encouraging. Well, God has sent his son to encourage you, to let you know that even though you're a sinner, 
that you can be a part of his kingdom and he will transform you. He will do a work. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean you're going, to, you're going to be able to keep your sins. You know, he came to save you from your sins, not to sin, right? You're not allowed to stay in sin. But he promises to give you something, a heart of flesh, where your heart is transformed to want to do his will. You just need to surrender. When I was on YouthQuest, so I didn't talk about this at the beginning, but I traveled on a ministry team when I, was, I went to Liberty University for my undergrad, okay? And I traveled on a, a ministry team called YouthQuest, and I was one of the speakers on the team. My first year on the team, they did something special. It was called YouthQuest All-Stars. It was, it was a place where, as a team, we would encourage one another, and we would pick one person out of the team, and we would just pour love onto them that day, right? And so in that, that session, we'd, we'd talk about what we loved about that person, to encourage them, to build them up. And it was powerful. It came to my turn one of the days, and one of the people there said that they admired me because I wasn't afraid to tell them the truth when everyone else was. His dad and his mother had gotten divorced at an older age, right? So he was in college when they got divorced. And for some reason, he was having trouble and angry at one of his parents, the one he thought caused the divorce. And me, being, you know, a young guy in ministry with him, I said, well, have you forgiven that parent yet? And he got mad at me. I didn't know it. He didn't show it. He just kind of... <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you're, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Have you forgiven that parent yet? And so... He, he walked away from that conversation. I didn't know that he was mad at me, but later on he came around and during YouthQuest All-Stars, he told me the situation. He said, you know, I was so mad at you for saying that. But after a while, I started to realize that you were right. That that's what I needed to do. So I spoke truth into that person's life and I was gracious in doing it. Comes back around and encourages me to be a truth teller. And it was an encouraging situation. Okay, God's working on me. God's working through me, right? And God can use you too. And here's the deal. I'm a sinner. And God still is able to use me. You're a sinner too. And God still has you here. There's breath in your lungs. You're not in heaven yet. I mean, do you ever wonder why when we become Christians and you get saved, there's no scorch marks on the floor and holes in the ceiling where we just go straight up to heaven right away? Well, because God still has you here for a reason. Right? He, he has you here even though he knew that if you stayed here, you'd still screw up. He has you here even though he knows that if you stayed here, you'd still go through pain even. You might even get sick here. You might get COVID, right? But he still has you here. Which means that your purpose here has to be bigger than your screw-ups. It has to be bigger than the pain that you're going to go through. God has a reason for you being here. And that reason is to show through your life and through the forgiveness that you've been given, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, to show other people what God can do in them, even with messed up people. And how he can change you from being messed up, transform you to being more and more like him daily. It becomes a testimony. Your purpose here is bigger than your mess-ups, than your pain, your suffering. God has a reason for you being here. If you have breath in your lungs, you have a reason for being here. God loves you, and he wants you to show that to the world. When we realize God's love for us, and we look to him, it changes us. We start to move in view of his mercy. We start to 
have these natural reactions. God, you love me, and I see that. Now what happens? You might think, I'm going to love others now, right? Nope, you're getting the order wrong. That's not the next step in the order of love. The next step in the order of love, when God says, I love you, and we start to look to that love, and we start to trust in that love, we start to be transformed by that love, the next step in the order of love is not that we love others, it's actually that we love God. Did this message draw you closer to God, or did you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior today? We want to hear about it. Let us know by going to turnevangelism.com forward slash connect and fill out the form at the bottom of the page and tell us what God did in your life through this message. Also, if you would like to bring T.S. Myers out to do ministry with your church or organization, send us a message on our website, turnevangelism.com. Thank you for joining us for this message from Turn Evangelism with T.S. Myers.